for me to be able to come again before you and bring you the words of Scripture. And uh, this is continuation kind of on Thanksgiving, but a different kind of idea, a different thought than last week. And uh, was glad to be able to do it last week. With This one is Sweet Peace, along with the Thanksgiving idea, Sweet Peace. And so I'm going to start in 2 Peter. If you'll take your Bibles and go to 2 Peter. I've got little papers in here again, so you'll see me getting rid of the little papers as we go. Must be shortening the distance. 2 Peter chapter 1, and starting with verse 1, I'll read 1, 2, 3, 4. But 1 Peter, 2 Peter, first chapter. It's interesting because I, I like to stop too and read in between or tell what it's saying. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that said that when the teachers of the scripture were reading and teaching the scripture, they told the sense of it. And I, oh yeah, that's where I fit in. <laughs> uh, I love to teach, but I love the sense of it, where, where we're going, what we're getting to. So Second Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant, oh, and I had to stop, already. Bible can be so interesting. And I thought, I've got a little writing up there, up above the word servant, bondman. So, oh, I thought I better get out the, the Greek. I better get out the Greek Bible, see what it says. So let me read it to you from the Greek. Now, I'm no Greek scholar, I just happen to, Read the English lines between the Greek. <laughs> okay, honesty. But uh, it's fun to get into the Greek part of the, of the Bible and to find some very special truths, little things that jump up and bite you. Well, why did he say he was a servant? And we can say, oh my, he had a cloth over his arm and he carries the water or, you know, uh, what does it mean? Well, let's see, in the Hebrew, it puts, I mean in the Greek, in the Greek, it gives a little touch more of what we might find there. So here it goes. Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Slaves do not do anything on their own without being told. They're under total control. Wow. It's not like a servant that says, uh, I've got to take a break, boss. I'm, I'm going out, you know, I'm doing so-and-so and I'll be right back. No, the slave is the one that has to do exactly as he's told. What's that? When he's told, yes, exactly. <laughs> and when he's told. Now here's Simon Peter saying that that's what I am to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be nice if we could think of ourselves that way and say, I, I am this one that's going to serve Jesus. Whatever he wants, whatever he says, whatever he's going to do, I'm there for him and I'm going to do it. We know that we can leave. Isn't that right? That's freedom. That's freedom. To serve Jesus Christ. And we want the rewards at the end of the line. That means we need to serve Jesus in everything. To the point of calling it a slave. Somebody even wrote a book. I didn't think of it until I saw this and, and was looking at my shelf and I got two books up there about the slave, to be a slave to Jesus Christ. Got two books on it. 
Wow. That puts a whole different picture on this uh, sweet piece. Thank God that he is that the author of peace and Jesus Christ, the author of peace, that he is our peace. Wow. And we're a slave to somebody that's really good. That's what's different. Paul said this too. Woe unto me if I teach not the gospel or preach it. He said, I'm the worst sinner. How could he say that? He was putting people to death, capturing them and taking them off to Jerusalem. And who knows what they did with them there. He tells just a touch of it in the scriptures of what he did. And that was bad enough. Can God save somebody in that case? Forgive him? Wow, that's our Sabbath school lesson, wasn't it? I tried to keep still. <laughs> but really, doesn't that touch your heart when you realize that if it was on our goodness, Paul was in a lot of trouble. Peter was in a lot of trouble. Didn't serve the way they ought to. But God saw through all of that. And when they ask for forgiveness, God forgives them in Jesus' name. Wow. So that's just a little tidbit out of this Greek, Greek book. So sometimes it's fun to look up a word and say, how did the Greek put that? Okay, let's keep going. Let's go back to that chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Wow, this, this could be a whole sermon all in one verse, right? First, there's two people here, right? There's the Heavenly Father and there's Jesus Christ. Two people. Wow. And then he's apostle. So we need to say, okay, that's a name that was saved for people that had learned from Jesus Christ, saw him in this real world, and learned from Jesus directly. He's an apostle. To them that have obtained like. To us, to anybody that has obtained like precious faith. It's not just, I'm of the faith. You know, No, no, it's not that, is it? It's beyond that. Sometimes we use that word in a, a way that we just sort of, oh, you know, he's of the faith or he's in the faith or, you know, we use it very lightly. Precious faith. That's what makes this an important verse. This is precious faith, something that once we got it, wow, we should understand what we got. How wonderful it is. Okay, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. Multiply these two together. You know your mathematics? <laughs> it gets bigger, right? When you multiply. Wow. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Two people again, right? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, our Lord. The knowledge, just the knowledge is already a blessing, a fantastic blessing that we understand who we're dealing with, what kind of a God we have, what kind of a Lord Jesus Christ we have. Something to be happy about, to praise God for. Wow. Okay. Next verse. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us 
to the glory and virtue. Wow. Divine power. Something special that we've got to add this up and think about this. Divine power that's given to all of us that pertains to life. Life in this world? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a real advantage to have Jesus Christ on your side in this world. How about the future? That life also. The continuation. Wow. Okay. Pertaining to life and godliness, we, we sure want to be godly because we want the prize at the end. There's going to be crowns. There's going to be awards given out. We, we, we want to be there for this godliness rewards. Through the knowledge, just knowledge. If we, if we gain that knowledge of who we're dealing with, this is not just somebody that we learn about and pass it off. This is the, the Savior of the world, Savior of mankind, the Heavenly Father, and His Son. And, you know, th- this, this is a marvelous thing for us to know about those things. Whereby, that would be we, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Whoa! Do you see where I got the sweet promises? Precious promises. Precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. You're either on a lust side or you're on the other side, the good side, right? The righteous side. And where do you get the righteousness from? You figure it out on your own? Oh no. That would be a big mistake because we'd satisfy our own lusts, our own happiness, our own things. This divine nature is from Jesus Christ. We need to get Jesus Christ in us. His nature. What would he do? How does he respond? How does he act? This is the divine nature that is, uh, we're partakers of it because we've accepted Christ as our Savior. We put ourselves in that ballpark, we put ourselves in that position where Christ is on our side and we need to learn this divine nature to grow to be born again to be really different from what the world used to be You know, turn around, we used to have a pamphlet about face completely different turnaround different direction that we're going different value system that's in our world because of Christ yep, because of Christ so there's the first four verses well, I won't spend as much time on the next ones, I hope. <laughs> but it is fun to get into the Bible and really start thinking, wow, what did they have to say? By the way, five, six, seven, eight. There is eight pieces there. Eight new words for you. Virtue, faith, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity, should abound in these things and not be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Wow, you might want to read that at home, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's the good thing there. Okay, let's go to uh, about pardon. Jehovah's pardon. So go with me to Isaiah and you're going to need to keep a finger in Isaiah so you can always find it quickly. Or put a little paper in there or something so that you can get back to Isaiah pretty fast. First, we'll start with Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Verse 7. Let all wickedness, all wicked forsake his way. Give it up. It's a lost cause. 
It's going to ruin you. It's going to ruin everybody around you. It's just a bad scene. Give it up. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Ooh, yep. Got to clean out those thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. I hope he was there before so he can return. But if you've heard anything of the Lord, you need to come back to him. And this is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Wow. Do you ever think about that? This is the Heavenly Father, the Yahweh, the Jehovah. You know, they say, well, who's your God? And they say, Baal. Or who's your God over here? And it's this, and it's that, and it's that, and it's that. Well, what's the name of your God? This is it right here. That's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Hebrew people were hiding the actual name of the Heavenly Father because they didn't want people to take it in vain. And it's all over the Old Testament, all over. The more you read it, the more you'll understand that that's what they were doing. This is the four letters of God's name. Y-H-V-H. The Yahweh. The Jehovah. That's who he is. And you can look that up in Greek as well, in Hebrew. Either way, Hebrew is best because the Old Testament is all full of the Heavenly Father. So when it says, Lord, you don't make a mistake with Jesus, you're looking up the Heavenly Father as Lord. New Testament, it's usually capital L, small o-r-d, because it's the Son of God, the Lord, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, has died for us. Okay, so here we have Jehovah's promise to us, and pardon, I should say, is the main thing, but you're going to find the promises and and, uh, pardon in a number of these verses. Okay, so this is, uh, mankind has moral failures and sins and all sorts of things going on, and we need to get ourselves out of there. And um, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right, right. Okay. um, We bear our own guilt, then, and we need to be able to get rid of that. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. We won't lose Isaiah just yet. But go to chapter 1. This ties a little bit with last week's sermon. You'll notice a few points and a few connections, close verses to where I was last week in Kings. But we'll get there. Still uh, for us here in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, Jehovah, the Lord. Um, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, wool being white and soft and loving and caring and so on from the sheep, the sheep that was supposed to die for our salvation. Come, he says, come and listen to me. Come and reason with me. Consider this. Talk it out, saith the Lord. Though your sins are that awful mess, right? They're dirty with blood. They're dirty with this. They're dirty with that. Uh, they're going to be like snow. And you say, no way. You, you ever try to wash blood out of a wool? No, it doesn't work very well, right? 
This is only something God can do. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse somebody from all their sins and so on. So we can be white and clean. In the, old, in the book of Revelation, it says uh, in the end there, it's talking about people with their white robes. A soul. Okay, we should be using these verses to cleanse our lives and to be um, good to the Heavenly Father. Verse 19 is a little bit there too. I'll read. Um, if ye be willing and obedient. That evidently is a problem. It's all over the Old Testament for sure and we get it in the New Testament too. Ye shall eat of the good of the land. If they were willing to do what God tells them, obedient, he'd tell them, you'll be able to do what happened when they went to the promised land. They were going to go in, they sent their spies, and they came back, they didn't believe the spies. All of that generation, from 20 years up, if I'm right, all died. They never made it into the kingdom. That was their form. Wow, disobedience is really a problem. But if you were obedient, you'd be getting the good of the land. God promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. That meant that was, milk was from animals, the cows, the sheep, and the goats. You know, you're going to have that blessing. Goats and sheep, they take grass. Oh, there's going to be grass everywhere, right? If you need bees there to make the honey, then there must be flowers. There must be fruit. Fruit trees that need pollination by the bees and so on. God was just saying, everything is going to be there. That's what I'm giving you. Everything that flows of milk and honey. Wow, there'll be bread because the grain will grow. The grasses will grow. They're, they're everything. Wow. Verse 20. But if he refuse and rebel, he shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The choices that we make in our life whether we're going to do good and receive blessings or whether we're going to do bad and receive bad. Boy. Okay, let's keep going. I want to go to 1 John. I think we hit on this this morning too in the Sabbath school lesson. The 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And verse 9. Well, I want to use 8, 9, 10. If we say that we have no sin, try that one. That's what this is saying. This book has got if, if, if in the chapters and the verses above as well. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the wow verse. All we have to do is ask the Heavenly Father and he'll do it. Ask for forgiveness and he'll cleanse us. He'll forgive us and, and we'll be cleansed from all unrighteousness regardless of what it was. In verse 10, I might as well throw in for good measure. If we say we have no sin where we have not sinned. We make him, the Heavenly Father, a liar, and his word is not in us. God said it was this way, and we say, oh no, you're wrong. You just made God a liar. 
and called him a liar. That is not a good idea. <laughs> so that the word of God would not be in us. We would not have the word of Christ, the word of the truth, the gospels. We'd have none of that in us if that's what we're doing. Okay. Let's go to uh, Isaiah. We go back there again. Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Okay, chapter 14, and then one verse 27. 27. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall take it back? A couple of, you've got to go a little deeper when you're thinking in some of these things. And verse 26 has got, this is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. God made a plan. He said, this is the way it's going to run. This is how you obtain salvation. This is how you get righteousness. This is how you get rewards. This is how you get into the forever. He's got it all purposed out, all planned out. And who's going to change the rules? Who's going to disannul it? Oh no, God, you're wrong there. You see, I can do this and I'll still get in. Everybody's going the same way to get to God. No, they're not. There is a path. One way. He used to sing that little chorus, one way and only one, and yet there's two sides of the door. <laughs> two door one door and only one, but two sides. You're going to take the good side or the bad side, you know. Uh, God says that it can't be changed. He set it up. And when God stretches out his hand, who's going to make him take it back? No one. When God says, this is how it is, you can't get him to withdraw that. Because he's had a plan all along, from the very beginning. And everybody is paid. Everybody's treated the same. There's no respecter of person. The payment is the same, eternal life. If you do what's right, your payment is eternal life. Um, interesting, some of the stories that Jesus told even. The guy that got one coin for starting working in the early part of the day. Another guy came a little later and he got a coin. Another guy came later and he got a coin. The guy at the very last, just before the sun went down, they had to quit. And he got a coin. And somebody started grumbling. Hey, you know, wait a minute, we worked all day and we only got a penny. You know, got this coin. And he just came in the last bit and he got a penny. You know what? The answer is that the one that was there all day long had the master with him all day. He was in the master's care and protection and his food and his water, his farm. His, he was there all day long with the Lord. He got paid. The other guy seemingly snuck in that God is not a respecter of persons. And if they came to salvation on their deathbed, they're still in. Doesn't quite sound right. But for you and I that have been a long time with the Lord, think of all the blessings we've had month after month, week after week, day after day. We've had all these blessings. We've had the protection, the care, and all. That is worth a lot of money. Not just the coins, right? <laughs> so we need to think about things a little differently. Think of the way God thinks of it. He's got a purpose. 
and there's a way that's going to be run. Okay, uh, I want to go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and I want, we've uh, got to hang on to this place too because I come back to it a couple of times, but right now I just want verses uh, well, 16 and then 1 through 6, which can be a bit confusing, but 16, let's do 16 first. Thine eyes can see my uh, in substance, Yet being unperfect, and in thy book all thy members are written, which in continuance unto fashioned, as yet there uh, was none of them. How precious also are they, are thy thoughts towards me, O God, how great is the sum of them. I suppose I should have started with the first verse because this goes on and on. I got red marks and so on further up. But here he's saying, my substance, where did it come from? God knew about it. God wrote it down. He added it up. You need this, you need this, you need this in this body, right? You're going to have bones. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. He's writing it all down. Even though he wasn't perfect yet. He wasn't born yet. He's still in the mother's womb. And God is planning all this. It's all written down. There's a log book. A book, it even says. So let's go back to that chapter 1, uh, verse 1, 2, 3. Um, and verse 4, 5, 6. Okay. Uh, o Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Everything about him is known. Thou hast, uh, thou knowest my down sitting, my rising up, thou uh, understandest my thoughts afar off. There's nothing hidden to God. God knows your thoughts and your plans and what you're doing. Uh, thou compassed my path. I had to think about that for a little while. What they really mean is like a circle around, a compass around. You're circled around by the Heavenly Father. Hey, I like that idea, right? And He knows everything that's in the circle. So you could say circle of my path and my lying down and, uh, and art acquainted with all my ways. God knows what you're doing day and night, whether you're sleeping or walking. For there is not a word in my tongue that thou, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Whether you're thinking it or speaking it or from your heart, the mouth speaks, right? Uh, everything is known by the Heavenly Father. Thou hast beset me behind and before. God knows what you've done before, what your past is, and he knows what's in front of you and what you've got to face, what you're going to do. That, and lay thy hand upon me. God can protect or, or cause you to stop doing what you're doing. Such knowledge is so wonderful for me it is high. I cannot attain unto it. When you really think of everything that's happening in your world, what kind of sicknesses that your immune system is able to fight, 
what your immune system needs so that you can get those things that God will give you that will help your immune system. You start adding up all of how the body functions, how the amino system works, how the, um, when a mother gives birth, all the chemistry that goes on just blows the doctor's minds when they start trying to study it. How does the milk all of a sudden start coming? How does the womb start closing up? You can go down a list, and it is phenomenal. God knows everything about us and has prepared it all for us. That's why he said, it's too wonderful for me to comprehend it, to obtain to it, to understand how much God has thought ahead on that and helped us. Okay. I want to look at uh, verse 23 and 24 while we're here too. 23 and 24. Maybe I won't have to come back well to this verse again, but 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Now he's praying. This is a prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, look through my whole makeup and behavior, mannerisms and educations, everything that's happened to me, and see if there's a wrong way coming up. It's going wrong with me. In my heart, your mind and your intelligence, your likes and dislikes. Try me. That means test me out. Check me out. And know my thoughts. He does. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. This would be saying, lead me in a path that's going to take me to eternal life. Wow. Wow. That should be our prayers all the time, right? We should be praying that way. Okay, let's keep going. Um, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 40. So we're back in Isaiah again, chapter 40. And verse 8. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of, the, of God shall stand forever. Wow, isn't this amazing that God has made this blessing for us? He's given us all this information in the Bible, and it's all good for us, and it's going to stand forever. It's solid. It's good. So that is a precept of the Heavenly Father, His laws, His standards, His statutes, His judgments, that we need to know what we're doing and how we do it. And he says, I gave you laws that you can live by. Things that are going to be a blessing to you. He also gave laws that they were not, were not happy for them. I don't think anybody liked killing a lamb and giving it as a sacrifice. But the lamb did nothing. They're cute little guys. But that's the only way you're going to get salvation in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's Jesus that is the Lamb. Yeah, we need to be real careful how we treat that Lamb. Also, uh, uh, we've, had, we've got an appointed way that God would like us to go, and that's what I got also from that one in Psalms, uh, 139, verse 16, uh, that he's got a way that's provided for us and designed for us, um, the uh, providence 
Yahweh's providence for us and what he wants us to have and do. It's designed and planned and built already for us, ready to be used. And uh, we just need to think about things where he said, I have purposed it. That's in uh, Isaiah 46, 9, 10, 11. He's watching over us and he says, I have purposed it to be that way. Okay, I want to hurry along. I told you last week about the prophet with the ravens. I told you about the prophet and the widow lady and her boy and the miracles that are there. Look it up again. Read it. That will say that God has us all planned out and it's going to work for you. If we go uh, down to another verse here in um, Psalm, what do you find in Psalm 23, 1? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Whoa, that's a providence type deal. In Matthew 6, 33, what do you find there? He's going to, um, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I did not write this after the Sabbath school class. <laughs> I wrote this last night about midnight. <laughs> God had something going on in my head, I think. Uh, and then another thought here is in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 19. But my God shall, shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a faith thing that he's, it's a providence that he's providing for us. He's fixing things for us and helping us to go. So uh, let's go uh, to another verse here in, in Isaiah 41. I'm just a page away here. I got two papers in here. That means I should only take away one right now, just in case. In <laughs> chapter 41, verse 10. 41, verse 10. Fear thou not. For I am with thee. Whoa. Is he providing for us and caring for us? I am with you. Uh, if that verse is wrong, can you trust anything of the Bible? Isn't that something? When you think of some of the fine, just small verses or small sayings, if they're wrong, if they can't be trusted, you're in big trouble. This whole Bible would crumble. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Oh, okay, I'll take it. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You got God's right hand, his best hand. You might say in the Hebrew, you know, when that verse is written and looked in Hebrew, it actually, best hand means your best used hand. If you're a left-handed person, it's this one. If you're a right-handed person, it's this one. The one that you're the strongest in can protect with the greatest strength. God says, I'm there for you. And then if you look at verse 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, all the way down to verse 20, there is 13 times he said, I will. I think we all need to know that, right? And I don't think I want to read all the way through that. But it says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. God's going to do this for us. And if he can't break the smallest end of this, then he won't break any of them. Wow, God's on our side, really. I looked up some verses last night as well, so I just got them on a page here. And I, I won't be reading this whole page, but I'll put them down. 
16 times in the New Testament, it talks about the peace from God. Wow. So I started, where, where are they? Where are they? Quick. I wanted to get, get them, you know, grab them. In uh, Romans 1 and verse 7, I won't read, read all these and I won't name them all now. They're just basics. But it says, Grace to you and peace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That started going clink, 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 clink. How many times is that said? Those two names, the Father and Jesus, in that same context. Well, wow. It's in Romans. It's in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and then Galatians, and Ephesians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, chapter 1, and Philemon, and in Hebrews, and in uh, 2 John. It's almost the same wording. I actually wanted to see it, and I wished I could slide the, the words that they would line up. What's different? Because it's almost the same saying. In some he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, or, or um, from God our Father. And the next one is, peace from God our Father. Um, so it can be our Father or the Father. Yeah, in Galatians 3 it says, uh, peace from God the Father, instead of our Father. And the same thing it does with Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus Christ, or our Lord Jesus Christ. In every one of those, uh, I could say that if you had a fingerprint and you got caught and, and they take nine points of similarity and you're the guy that's guilty, because nine times 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 nine, there isn't another person in the world. You're it. Can this be trusted? When how many times here that it could possibly be wrong? No. There's too many possibilities here. Sixteen times. That this is repeated over and over and over and over. This is not wrong. This is God's directive to us. Then the last thing on here is 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. So I wrote it out. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love it. That's a command and a blessing. One more short half page here, and just well, just one one scripture really. In um, Isaiah 23, 26, 26 verse 3. Uh, 26, so Isaiah uh, 26. And 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4. I need verse 3 as well. And the verses before it is slightly needed. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. He's going to protect Jerusalem. Verse 3, or 2, verse three, 2 and then 3, 4. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation shall, which keepeth the truth, may enter in. Open the gates for the nation, not just 
one necessarily. He could have said so that the Hebrews could get in. Right? For a righteous nation. That means the people that were not Jewish people or had been grafted in. You see, you can kind of make a connection where you've got these people that are grafted in and they now are a nation. So many people. Next verse. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's where we need to be. You know, punch mark. Bump. <laughs> Explanation point. We need to be there. We need to be in God's will and doing righteous things and trust in the Heavenly Father. Verse 4. Trust ye in the Lord. The capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord, and then here's his name, Jehovah. 